Good morning. My name is Jacques Short, and I'm a pastor and an elder here at Crossroads Church and Ministries. And I'm excited, extremely excited to be able to come before you today and share the word of the Lord with you. Um, we're going to start off in the book of Genesis. Um, that's where we're going to base our message on. And so let's go to Genesis, the 18th chapter and the ninth verse. Let me get some assistance to help me so I can read this. And we want to read there. Let me give you an update of uh, this chapter real quickly. Um, before I read, um, this is the 18th chapter of Genesis. And in the beginning, you can it talks about Abraham and Abraham. It says how Abraham is a. Chilling and, and well, not necessarily chilling, but yeah, the metaphor is Abraham's chilling in the, in the cool of the day at the, um, in front of his tent. And then he looks up and sees three guys coming and he jumps out of, of his chair and he runs over to greet these three guys, these three gentlemen who are royalty because the Bible tells us that when he gets to them, he bows real low to them. And he also offers them water um, to wash their feet. And he also offers them the opportunity to lay beneath the trees where he was chilling at and, and just relaxing. And he even tells them that he'll have uh, dinner food prepared for them. So that they can eat and he just wants them to stay and just um, refresh themselves. And so they agree to Abraham's request and they're all there talking um, in the front of Abraham's tent. And this is where we're going to pick up at um, when they are asking Abraham, where's your wife, Sarah? They asked, they asked him there in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought. After I am worn out and my master is old, Will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you and at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. And every time I read that passage, a fact that um, of that passage that summarizes it all up for me is that God knows our heart. God knows our heart. And in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, at the beginning of the seventh verse, it tells us the Lord does not look at things um, that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord, he looks at the heart. God knows our heart. However, the people, for people to know our heart, they must see our actions and or hear our words. I believe that our beliefs, 
are first formed in our hearts and then conceived in our minds and then displayed through our actions and our words. It's kind of like when I first met my wife many years ago, um, I already had established a belief in my heart who the woman was that who the woman um, would look like internally as well as externally um, in regards to who I would be spending the rest of my life with. And so when I met her, I knew from that point that that's the woman. That's who I'm meant to be with. So that's where my belief was. So my belief was there in my heart and I conceived it in my mind. And so I had to um, have some actions behind that. So on our second date, I asked my wife um, to marry me. I proposed to her. And I know you're thinking it was all cool from that point. Well, it really wasn't. She turned me down. She rejected me. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that was my belief and I didn't give up. You know, I kept moving forward and with my belief until I realized that her belief and my belief weren't in alignment. So she had to see my actions and hear my words and formulate a belief in her heart in order for her to understand and us both to be on the same page that we were the couple that God had ordained to be together. I want to read a a paragraph of a short story to you that kind of speaks volumes about what I'm trying to explain. After reading an article on all the wrongs in our society, Shelley is suffering from 3D disease, discouragement, depression, and deflation. She laments, our nation really is going down the tubes, and it sounds like it may be too late to do anything now. Besides, I'm just one person. In fact, I'm only 14. What can I do? Well, a lot of times we do not believe that we have the potential within ourselves and we believe that the potential of ourselves or others is not there because we don't see it. Well, that which we cannot see, we have trouble believing that it exists. And when life is like that, it becomes a challenge with our with our our thoughts and it becomes a challenge with the way we look at life and the way we pursue life. Um, There's a few things that I want you to consider, a few thoughts that I would like you to consider that I'm going to cover here. When being challenged with the with the mindset that you can't make a difference, I want you to think of these thoughts, just review them and think about them and ponder them. The first thought that I have for you is your age isn't the issue. Sarah thought that it was. Sarah thought it was her age. As we read in um, Genesis, the 18th chapter, she thought her age was the issue. Because see, something that I didn't explain to you, um, chapters before that, Sarah and Abraham had been trying to have a child, to conceive a child for years. And it never happened. They never could conceive a child. So 
She didn't think she was going to have a child and she grew in age. And at her age, women normally didn't have children at her age and at his age. So she just cast it out, him and her cast it out that, oh, it won't happen. So I want you to know that you're not too young and you're not too old to generate and propel positive change. We were all created to be a positive change agent. Regardless of your age, your sex, your size, your ability, your income status, or even your race, we were all created in the image of God and in his likeness, and therefore we are change agents. We have been created to be change agents. The next thought that I want you to consider is that the size of your God is the real issue. You see, my God is so large that it doesn't matter what problem or what difficulty comes to me. My God is much larger than anything, any obstacle that I can ever face. So the size of your God is the real issue. When King Saul told David in 1 Samuel um, the 17th chapter, the 37th verse, he said, you can't fight Goliath. You're only a kid. David responded, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And you know the end of the story. David got the job and he won the battle by slaying Goliath. The next thing, the next thought that I want you to consider is just because you do not see it does not mean that it does not exist. Just because you do not see it does not mean that it does not exist. For example, prime example, easy example. You probably heard this one before, but how many of you have ever had a headache? Okay, so that headache that you have, were you capable, were you able to see that headache? How many of you have seen a headache? Right. And you're saying, no, I never seen it. So my question is, how did you know it was a headache? You say you you had a headache, but how did you know it was a headache? Most of you, your response is, I know it was a headache because I felt it and it was a pain in my head. And I, and I felt that pain. That's how I knew, um, no, that it was a headache. So on that same note, just like God the, the, the knowledge of God, many say that they don't believe in God because they've never seen him. And they say, how can I believe in a God that I can't see? How can you believe in a headache that you can't see? You claim that. So why can't you claim a God that you say you can't see? Well, let me share something with you. Um, our God, how do I know he exists? You say, I can't see him. Well, just like that headache, I can feel him. I can feel God's presence in my life each and every day, every second of the day. I feel God's presence in my life. That's how I know he exists. Just like you say you feel the headache, I feel God's presence. And then secondly, not only do I feel God's presence, but I hear God. I hear the spirit of God continuously speaking to me. Um, in all sorts of occasions, leading and guiding me in the right direction, I, I hear God's voice. 
which is another thing. And then finally, you say, you can't see God. Well, I challenge you that if you open up your eyes, take the time to open your eyes and just look, you can see the presence of God. His presence is all around us. You can see his presence in the love that others have for each, that the world has for each other. Um, you, can feel, you can see his presence in love that's displayed through others, in compassion that's displayed through others. You can see God's presence through the birds chirping in the morning, through the flowers blooming. You can even see God's presence when there are no flowers and the snow is falling. You can see his presence in the snowflakes, in the sparkle of the icicles. You can see God's presence in the sunshine. God's presence is all around, revealed all around us. You can see his presence, but you just have to take the time and open your eyes to see it. You see, we can see the presence of God but we have to pay attention to it. It's just like the heart, the heart aching situation that our nation is currently facing. The heart aching situation that we're facing. For many of years, black people, even more so black men, have been disrespected to the core by inhumane actions perpetuated through violence and systemic racism towards them. These acts have been looked at as random occurrences. Every now and then it happens, some say. You know, it's not like it happens all the time. You know, a person dies here and there, you know. Well, I just want you to know that one life gone is one life too many. This wrong has been continually justified over the years. You know, people have said they've been in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, that's the mentality that some people have. Some people say, well, if he wasn't jogging here in this neighborhood, but he chose to jog in his own neighborhood, this wouldn't have happened, or, or they shouldn't have been here, or they shouldn't have been there. Well, when people have that process of thinking, you know what that's called? It's called stinking thinking. People then begin that stinking thinking process and they slowly become immune to this form of hatred that's set out to divide, kill, and destroy our people as a whole. It wants to divide. The enemy wants to divide our nation, kill the black man, and destroy the love of others. And you know what? It stinks. It has to change. It cannot continue to be like this. It has to change. And as I said earlier, how is that to change? Yes, the Lord will change it, but we are the change agents that he's placed here on earth to go forth with that change. Another thought to consider is to take a stance and unite for change. Take a stance and unite for change. When I say a stance, a stance means to take action. You speak and act upon what's right. That's taking a stance. If you see wrong or a, or a, or a unjust happening, you don't sit there and just watch it and turn, turn your eye, turn your head. You take a stance for what is right. Um, when I say unite, I mean to link up with others, verbally speaking the same thing and physically working for the same cause. 
we, 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 we unite together. So you take a stance, unite, and that then motivates you, propels you to be that change agent that God has created for you to be. Let's look at the book of, in the book of Genesis in the 11th verse, the 11th chapter, I'm sorry. The 11th chapter, the first through the ninth verse reads, now the whole world had one language and common and a common speech. As men motivated, as men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and make them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city which, with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. And every time I read that passage as well, there's two passages um, that just sticks out to me with the same theme. The same theme of thought. And when I read that passage, I think the same thing. God knew their heart. God knows our heart. And right now we have a choice, division or unity. We should choose to reveal our heart to mankind and to the world. We need to be a light. As it says in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. That's our family. One of our family memory verses there that we say every morning. Me and my wife recite that every morning. Our kids have been encouraged to recite that memory verse every morning. Matthew five sixteen. in the same way. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. You may not have seen hatred through racism through your lens simply because you may be blind to the fact um, through being immune to it or since it doesn't knock at your door and just and you just don't see it or even think about it so from your perspective racism with violence towards the black man is not a global thing it's just a random thing well, that thought pattern is just as wrong as wearing two left shoes. You may say that you don't see it, so you don't believe it. But I promise that when you open your eyes and pay attention, the inhumane actions towards black men will suddenly become real to you. You will suddenly see with clearness just as I put on these eyes and I suddenly saw the word of God clearly, the, the, the letters in the Bible clearly, you will see the actions of this world much clearer when you take the time and open your eyes to see it. God knows our heart. I want to uh, uh, go back to, to 
the 11th chapter of Genesis in the fourth verse. It says, we make a name for ourselves. That's what they said when they were building a tower. They said, so that we may make a name for ourselves. That was the heart on which their actions was being set out. So that they can make a name for themselves, so that they can lift their names high and 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 not God was nothing in it. Glorifying God and and giving him the glory for this was not in it. It was all about themselves, promoting themselves. And then in the sixth verse there, it reads, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Did you get that? Did you get that process? As one people uniting, as we begin to unite with the same language and going after the same cause, the word of God tells us, the Lord says, there's nothing that we can't do. There's nothing that we can't do. So this hatred that's going going on now is going to be tore down. We will tear it down because we're uniting, uniting as the word of God declares. This is not a time simply for thinking. It's a time for action. By uniting, uniting is when the Lord begins to manifest the love and righteous desires of your heart. The sad beauty about George Floyd's death, uh, or should I say the sad beauty about his life is that it took his death for unity of all to come towards a common cause. And what I mean by unity of all, if you look on the news, you can see um, many different countries standing um, for what we believe here. They're standing for the mess that we're facing here in this nation and they're protesting and also if you look at our nation we have not only blacks that are going out protesting and demanding justice but we have with them whites hispanics latinos um orientals um native americans we have a a a plethora of cultures and um, races coming all together in order to stand for this cause to stand and fight against um inequities that we're facing um so it took his death his life and then his death to bring this about and the other thing is that the exposure of inhumane violence towards black men is revealed globally it has been revealed globally it's no more um just a a specific incident here and there, but this is a global awareness that's going on right now. So when you get discouraged, no matter what it be, with what's going on in in our society, when you get discouraged about the condition of society or with the condition of your life or with your job or with your husband or wife or with your children, whatever your challenge is, when you're discouraged in that, in that mindset, I want you to recite the first part of Genesis 18:14, where it reads, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
And do that remembering John 16, 33, which is another one of our family scriptures. Um, I have told you these things so that in me, you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Remember, that's how big our God is. I'm going to ask my wife, Kelly, to come and join me because she has a gift that um, I asked her to share. She has a gift of writing um, poems and and putting together writings to describe not only what's going on in her heart, but things that she sees happening in her surroundings or, or in her life. And I want, to sh- I want her to share with one that she wrote the other day that I thought was um, pertinent to this time and age. And also it, it, it kind of struck home with me. It was a, a motivator. It was motivation for me. And so I pray in Jesus name that it does the same for you. Good morning. Um, my poem is called We Will Rise Up. <clears throat> and I wrote this one day. I was, um, I was just cooking dinner and it just started just bubbling up inside of me. So um, we will rise up and be more than you know. We will rise up in unity. We will grow. We will rise up with the people of this land. We will rise up to hold each other's. And, and sorry. We will rise up and here take our stand. We will rise up and hold each other's side. We will rise up and conquer this horrid divide. As we unite and become as one, temptation will try to enter. But remember, we are his sons and his daughters, you see. So come and stand to unite with me. God is our creator, our maker, the beginning and the end. And because of him, we will rise up and win. God bless you. I will rise up. And I want to say Kelly um, is giving us words to pay attention to here, that we want to be the people who rise up. We want to be the people who, uh, when we look back on 2020, we don't say that was the worst year of our lives, but we say that was a year that we rose up, that we became the people of God in a way that we never have been, um, that we cared about people who had disease, uh, that we cared about people who were, um, who were oppressed and discriminated against, um, and that we looked at equality for all of us. Um, and may it be so uh, yeah. of us that we would rise up. Yeah, definitely. This last week, um, Claire and I just took a group of pastors and leaders from around the world uh, through some Enneagram training. And it was really interesting because there was this common consensus in different, not just the United States, but different parts of the world The Netherlands, as well, Australia, of this sense Canada. of wanting to rise up against any kind of injustice. So that's certainly a desire, not just in our own hearts, but in people of faith all around the world. So that's a beautiful thing. And we were really grateful to be with people who wanted to look at all of us and not just some of us. Um, You know, while we utilize the Enneagram for personality styles, we we also utilize teaching the Enneagram and writing about the Enneagram Mm -hmm. as a way for us to see 
one another connected, that God so loved the world. Right, right. Yeah. Definitely. And um, Jacques, thank you for those words about that. If we come into unity, those things which seem impossible uh, become possible. So even on this day, think about this. Think about some things in your own life or in our world that seem impossible. But as we uh, unite around uh, those things that God's invited us to, that nothing becomes impossible, that we can get those things done. And we've all seen that at times. We have seen the impossible done as we've come into unity. Speaking of unity, our uh, plan is in the next couple of weeks, we're rolling out some new steps to open up here on the campus. All of us have been wondering, when can we, you know, when can we get to together uh, as a community of faith again physically to be together and our, our whole office staff will be together this week in the mm -hmm. building yeah yeah so we're beginning step by step and we're going to be keeping you guys apprised on that through different communications so keep your eyes open and we're going to just tell you how that's going to unfold in the process that that will uh, kind of take on as time goes on so we're really excited about that we, we miss you terribly, and, um, and even as we come to take communion today, we want to invite you to gather all of the elements, whether it's um, your bread and wine or crackers and juice, and we remember what Christ has done for us. And even as we take communion today in the midst of all that is happening and if you haven't watched the uh, facebook live prayer that we did with jacques and kelly this week we invite you to to check that out um, because it's about communion common union that if we have the time to listen to one another i don't have the same perspective jacques and kelly do they live in a very different reality than i do and uh, and i live in a very different reality than i do yeah so true yeah. And so communion is about um, taking this bread and wine and coming to a place of common union. Mm -hmm. So together we pray, and maybe you'll repeat it after me. Christ has no body on earth but yours. Christ has no body on earth but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. No hands. No feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which Christ looks out with compassion on the world. Yours are the eyes with which Christ looks with compassion out on the world. Christ has no body on earth but yours. Christ has no body on earth but yours. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and wine broke bread and said, take this, all of you, eat it, this is my body, which is given up for you. And every time you eat it, remember me. This is the place of our common union. And Jesus also lifted up the cup and said, this is my blood given for you as a covenant for the remission of your sins. Take this and drink in remembrance of me.
This is our place of common union. And one of the things that we're so grateful for this week is that um, that Dave and Nikki Schmaltz are going to be with us to mm-hmm. give the blessing. And you may or may not know this, but um, Dave is the, the fire chief there in Coldwater, one of the communities that is a part of Crossroads Church. And um, Dave, we are so grateful for you. And we thank you and Nikki for the sacrifice you've made um, for your community, for us. And we want to receive your blessing here. Yeah. Good morning. My name is Dave. And I'm Nikki. Let us pray for one another as we finish our service with this blessing. Dear God, we pray for one another, for our friends, our families, our neighbors, and our world. We pray that we would experience your love, your care, your justice, your reconciliation, and the healing of our communities. Transform us as we seek to do your will in this world. For each and every one of us, may Christ be known to us and through us this day. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week at Crossroads. May you experience the grace, peace, and love of God this week. And may others experience that same grace, peace, and love through you. Have a great week.
Be 